Welcome to Gov Actually, the podcast about how government works. How it actually works. I'm Dan Tangerlini, Chief Financial Officer of the Emerson Collective, and this is the FedScoop Radio Network. And I'm Danny Werfel from the Boston Consulting Group. We launched this pod to try to get beyond the personalities and the politics. Right. We want to talk about how things actually get done in the government, the people who do it, and the challenges they face. So let's talk. All right, Danny, we're back, and this is a milestone watershed Gov Actually episode. I think it's uh, Gov Actually episode number 30, nearly a third of 100 episodes. Oh. You like that, how I rounded that in that way? Yeah, you rounded up. <laughs> it's like a metric. Uh, it's a 30% of 100. There's, there's some important significance to this episode. The headline is Gov actually turns 30. Oh, that's right. That's exactly that's right. We're out of yeah. our 20s. We're now moving yes. towards adulthood. And I think it's actually perfectly timed because it seems like the entire world is slowly becoming a Gov actually episode, doesn't it? doesn't seem like the rest of the news that you're, you're reading lately is, is really just, you know, a, a, a kind of, um, higher level version of, or like a, a less deep version of Gov Actually? Doesn't it make you think, wow, that needs to be talked about on Gov Actually? It's a great, it's a really great point because I hadn't thought about it until you just raised it. But yeah, I mean, I guess the, you know, we've said before on this podcast that, you know, the current administration, you know, it's, it's obviously in the news a lot. And you know, I've described some of the, the 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 steps the administration has taken as non-traditional, uh, and there's a lot of debate um, in the national dialogue about the activities of this administration. But it is raising in the midst of those debates, like how is this actually supposed to work? You know, how does the you know how does the intelligence community work? What do they what what kind of information is normally provided to the president? And so you'll see you know, interviews in CNN and, and elsewhere, you know, with people that are, that, and they're asking, well, how does it actually work? Um, so I see it, but then also, and what's really interesting, uh, you made me think of, um, you know, the budget came out this week, right? Right. So you got the, we had the, we had the emergency declaration, uh, last week, week before you have the budget come out. And while there's all the politics and the personalities around that, I think a lot of people are, are asking the questions like they did during the shutdown, like they did during the confirmation process. They're like, wait a second, what, what is this stuff? How does it actually work? And so, I mean, I think, um, I think that that's what's going on now that so many different, I like your term, non-traditional things are taking place within the context of these systems that have been grinding along for a while that people are actually beginning to say, wait, how does that how, how does that stuff actually work? Yeah, I mean, and look, emergency declarations have happened before, um, but now there's more. Uh, there's there's a lot more scrutiny and publicity around this one. Yeah, but they always seem to be around things like a hurricane, and that's where people kind of expected it. But around yeah. like a policy disagreement, people are like, wait a minute, you can't do that, and and then the other people say, absolutely, we can do that, and people are like, wait a minute. You know how do they? How can they do that? Yeah, and suddenly you're you're in a in a debate, right? And um, you know it's interesting as as we're talking, and so, and someone someone mentioned this to me recently that we should work this into the podcast was, you know, so the budget came out this week, and then there's this other podcast that um, that I listen to, 
What? I'm not sure. I'm sorry. That's yes. Okay. I, I, I cheat on our own All podcast. I do is listen to prior episodes of GovAction. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, I can't. I am. I am. I'm a podcast fan. I, it is my happy place to be listening to podcasts. I completely and, agree. And, and one of my favorite, not it's not even one, my favorite podcast, actually his nickname, they call him the pod father, is, uh, is Bill Simmons. Oh, um, yeah. Yes. I spend a lot of time with Bill Simmons. He has no idea that I spend this much time with him, but I spend a lot, because he releases a lot of podcasts. Um and uh, and I eat them all up. And and one of the podcasts that he produces um, on 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 the Ringer Network is this podcast called The Rewatchables, where they go back and they talk about a movie that is on TV all the time that everyone watches. Uh, the, one of these movies where you're flipping channels, you're like, oh, this movie, I got to watch this to the end. Like for me, like The Hunt for Red October. It doesn't I, matter what I'm doing. I don't have enough matter- time to watch the movies that are coming out now. I haven't caught up on Game of Thrones and I've got a piles of books. Who who are these people who are rewatching movies? I'm very jealous that this is their job because yeah. I think that would be <laughs> just really cool. And who are to- these people who are listening to things about people who actually have me. time to rewatch movies? Me. This is what I, I this is how I unwind. I can't be working and thinking about too government. You've been to, to take of actually. Maybe now I know why. I, I am very, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I am. I, but I do like, I need some time to unwind and not think about government at every moment. Mm. But anyway, so I'm listening to this podcast, um, the rewatchables and they're, they're talking about Dave, uh, the movie Dave, where uh, Kevin Klein plays the plays the president, or or he plays a lookalike that stands in for the president who 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 has died. That's actually they, a really good movie. Yeah, it's a really good movie. I should go watch that again. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Actually, before this podcast, I sent you the clip because right. I thought um, I did. That's as much of that movie as I'm rewatching. Yeah. Well. In the clip, well, so what happens is, is on this podcast, they uh, they talk about this. There's a scene where they're dealing with a budget issue, and it seems pretty ridiculous in the moment. But they have this, you know, as the scene plays out, they need to find six hundred and fifty something million dollars in the budget somewhere to save a program for the homeless, and um, and so there's this big cabinet meeting. And Kevin Klein, the fake president, walks in and he and the press is in the room and he says, Okay, I'm gonna change the agenda for this meeting. I we need to find six hundred and fifty million in the budget for to save the homeless program. And the the scene basically devolves into them essentially kind of going around the room and him suggesting things that they can cut that seem a lot less important or at least practical that can save money and they can pay and find the 650 million, what we would call in the business an offset, something to offset so they can, you know, eliminate stuff or rethink how programs operate to get to $650 million. And it's a very cute scene and it, it seems kind of simplistic in terms of and, and I think of the it's, approach. It's the movie equivalent of the exact opposite of this podcast. Uh, explain. It's because I was, I was watching it and I'm like, wow, these guys have no idea how any of this stuff is done. 
That, so yeah, well, you're getting ahead of the point, which is in the podcast, Bill Simmons and his crew asked the question, is this how it actually works? And the and answer someone is actually, no. I, 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 I li- shortest in, mark this date, podcast 30, it was only seven minutes and 54 seconds long. Oh, because you're just going to answer that's not how it actually works and we're now done with the podcast? Yeah, there's a huge amount of, I don't know, then we got to go back. They got to listen to the first 29 episodes and then we can talk about why this. this. Well, (laughs) well, someone reached out to me about that segment, which I'd already heard and said, you know, who better to answer the question of this, how, of, of whether this is how the budget process actually works than, than gov actually, because, you know, some people, you could say that the name of our podcast could, should be called Budget, actually, because we talk a lot about the budget. <laughs> because that because is, yeah, it's, that's if you want to run the government, you got to fund it. So it starts yeah. there. All right. So let's, so let's spend a little bit of time breaking down why a little bit of time explaining, answering the question. I guess you say, let's spend some more time <laughs> explaining my answer. Well, so so I'll 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 play devil's advocate, uh, or at least kind of be the interviewer for you to to explain to the audience why. So so okay, so setting the scene again. Right. It's the president and his cabinet. Okay, stop there. Okay. The budget. There's no meeting in which the president sits with the entire cabinet and talks about um, offsets in the budget. You and, don't think? No, they're not. You, you, I, there's no meeting when the president sits in the Roosevelt Room with the cabinet and says, Hey, I don't have an answer to this question about the budget. Let's go around the room and, and, and I'll give you suggestions about how to cut their budget. Because okay. you, you I know, agree. The cabinet meeting is, is a deeply prepared for and scripted event, which is kind of what they're hinting at in the movie, by the way, they do a good job of actually making the cabinet room look like the cabinet room and the cabinet table look like the cabinet table. And which by the way, you've already messed up because you talked about the Roosevelt room, which is a different room right, than the cabinet point. room. Good point. You're right. You're right. Good, good catch. So I'm there wrong. So not, not only are they wrong, but I'm wrong too. That's how wrong this is. Um, yeah. <laughs> and there's no way that there is going to be that kind of conversation happening in front of the press. Now, maybe that's the whole generous and humorous premise of this movie that he's going to do stuff that no one would ever conceive of doing, which is going into that room and grilling the cabinet about, you know, this $650 million for this program that is somehow in jeopardy. And that has some fundamental problems with what that means too. Did, was it not appropriated? Was it, you know, did they run out of money? So there's, there's some missing stuff there. And yeah. I mean, I, first of all, yeah. I mean, I think you're right that from a practical standpoint, first of all, there would never be kind of a horse trading on budget priorities done in front of the press. Right. That that just would 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 never happen. Whether it should happen or shouldn't is a whole different podcast on, you know, <laughs> pre-decisional be, information and uh, the benefits of transparency. Transparency government that would be interesting. Well, you know, it's interesting that during President Obama's campaign, he did promise to negotiate the healthcare reform. You know, in and public as much as possible. Do, right. Do you remember, they went over to the Blair House and they had that giant meeting. Right, yeah. on TV. How did that yeah. go? Uh, 
Well, I don't know. I'm just saying that it's not <laughs> unprecedented. I'm not going to comment. I can't remember, actually. Oh, I, I remember. It didn't it. go well? Well, how many votes did they get from the other party for the House? Zero. That I definitely exactly. remember. Exactly. So they negotiated yeah. in public. And what they were able to do is get exactly the positions hardened into deep opposition and pure partisanship. But I'll just say this to, you know, going back to the Dave scene, it, it, it's not unprecedented for uh, a high stakes policy negotiation to happen in front of the press. Um, it, uh, it's that, happened that before. That happened recently in this administration, remember? Yes. The wall yeah. And I think yeah. that-, I think uh, that The government shutdown. Yeah, that also showed why um, watching the movie Dave as a suggestion <laughs> yeah. uh, is probably- yeah. That we, you know, the, you know, the last thing, I, I wonder if someone said, you know, hey, we should do this, you know, on the healthcare thing. And then that went badly. And like, okay, let's not do that again. And then someone in this administration said, hey, we should do this on the shutdown thing. All right. So let me say this. Very unlikely that uh, the president and his cabinet would deliberate yeah. uh, uh, decisions on I budget was, trade-offs. I was at a stone, not impossible. I was at not a impossible. stone cold no just you know, several minutes ago. It's somewhere around 7.54. And now you've got me to a, oh yeah, I guess they have done that. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So not impossible, but very unlikely. Okay. But the, so the other thing that I'll say, and again, I think obviously it's a movie and they're kind of, you know, doing a, uh, a Hollywood version and taking some liberties, which is fine. But one of the other, I felt you know, good. one of the questions when I watched it, I felt like, Oh, that's great. Look at that. He's putting great. the yeah. commerce secretary on the spot and he has to concede. Well, yeah. I mean, for the audience who hasn't seen the clip, uh, recently, uh, as an example, one of the, th- one of the things he calls out, he says to the commerce secretary that you're spending, you know, X million dollars on a study uh, around uh, whether uh, for how to get people to feel better about the automotive industry in the United States. And, um, and the commerce secretary has to defend this study, which there are, you know, which, which, which the fake president admits that there's some, there's some inherent benefit to it, but is it more important than, than the homeless program? And so, and so that's a eight year old homeless child who doesn't have a place to sleep. Exactly. And so, so in the moment, it's like, yeah, there's, there's, there's something intuitive about if you compare and contrast a study like this, which has some policy merit, merit to a homeless program, the two, you know, it, it doesn't stack up and, and, and it makes sense and to, to, to put forward and, and prioritize if, if you're choosing between the two. And the question is, is like, you know, we've already established that it would be really, really unusual for that to happen in a cabinet meeting. And really, really unusual for that to happen in front of the press. But the, the, the but what about the question of sitting in front of two policy priorities, homelessness and you know, a study around the automotive industry and trying to figure out which to fund? Talk about that in in a in, when you're formulating the budget, when you're deciding okay, what well, I'm gonna package made, together. You've made an assumption right there, and I think that that's important distinction for those watching the movie wondering what's going on here. And it's not clear, are they responding to an existing, you know, an existing set of appropriations and they're trying to engage in what's called a reprogramming, moving money from the Commerce Department program for um, domestic vehicle satisfaction encouragement to homelessness? Or is this a budget development meeting in which they're saying, look, we're putting together the president's annual budget which we will submit in February and hope 
will actually be acted on by the end of September so that in October, these programs can start being implemented. So they will submit it in February, unless there's a government shutdown, and then yeah, it'll yeah. Be well, in March, we, that's which what's happened this year. Hope yeah. it would be acted upon, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? So, so that would it would begin in October. Which, if this is really about protecting the ability of a homeless eight year old to sleep somewhere tonight, this whole exercise is either an exercise involved in amending an existing appropriation, which creates a huge amount of different issues, which we, we will discuss because that's what we do. Or it's about establishing a budget that will be sent to Congress that will be acted on for a minimum of seven months. Uh, in which case, okay, so none of this is helping this kid. I just want to make that. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's take this in turn. Let's first assume it's about that this scene was really about formulating the president's budget that's going to be sent to Congress for consideration uh, months uh, later. And then let's tackle that. And then let's move on to the appropriations piece. Because if you consider the second possibility that they were debating and trying to find money in an already set of enacted programs, then there's a really interesting the reason why that whole discussion is so difficult and impossible is very related to why the president had to declare an emergency well, in order to get funding for the wall. Then it's door number three, which is an emergency declaration, which is a kind of a extra budgetary process approach to allocating and expending resources. And that's all. And I don't think and I don't think available to the president at the time Dave was made, but I'm not sure I'd have to go back oh, to the interesting. to the dates. Well, I, I'd there have to figure that out. There are certain emergency authorities that that dated to that dated back further. We dated back further. But then there were okay. additional ones that were added post 9-11. So that's a very okay. good point. Well let's do budget formulation and let's do that before the break. And then when we come back we can talk about you know, assume that this scene was really about an already enacted budget and then and then relate and be the first people in the history of uh, podcasting and and government commentary to link the movie Dave to uh, to the emer- to the Trump emergency de- declaration. Exactly right. This is new ground. Yeah. So people are definitely going to want to stay till after the break, but yeah. we're going to bore them first with the appropriation with the budget yeah. development process. So so in this scene. In this scene, there's an assumption that there is a cap they can't go over. They have to find the money elsewhere. They can't create new space to pay. Let's go back a little bit further. So this is the president discharging one of the fundamental duties, the executive, which is to present the Congress a plan of expenditure for the coming fiscal year. And then the Congress would take that plan and... and, um, engage in their most fundamental responsibility as the Article I branch of government, which is to appropriate funds for the expenditure and the execution by the presidency, by the executive. So they're they're writing the plan. And apparently, um, OMB gave the president the night before or something, the budget, and said, okay, here's what we're going to send to Congress next week. And in it was this missing program that would house this uh, eight-year-old. Is that what we're assuming? Let's assume that. And so a couple of things. First, if the program doesn't make it into the budget, it doesn't mean it can never get enacted. It just means its chances are smaller because of getting enacted are smaller because the Congress will take the president's budget and work from that document. 
And it's possible so the that Congress could end the project. Congress could to the president and gone right to Congress and lobbied them instead. Because yeah, exactly. The president's budget is a starting point for Congress. But if the homeless program didn't make it into the budget, it's not dead forever. It's possible that Congress could add it in at a later date when they're considering the president's budget, and that's that's possible. But can but I ask the you, issue is that it, yeah, a tangential but related question. Yeah. Have you ever heard of a president's budget that wasn't described as dead on arrival? <laughs> I think earlier in my career, maybe. Yeah. I think. Uh, Although I, I worked for the first budget director I worked for, Dick Darman, said, always control the first draft. Everything else is an edit. And my, my yeah. boss, my, my boss under him said, just you watch. It's dead on arrival, but 95% of what comes out will be in that budget. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. So that's why it, it that's why people get so heartbroken when something isn't in the president's budget because you just it's just a much higher hill to climb if it's not in the budget but not impossible. But the other point I was going to make is that is that if they were formulating a budget in that in that moment, one option that they didn't discuss is just hey, we could just ask for more money. Um so let's but let's set that aside. Let's say they had um a, a very they may, let's say they'd already publicly um, committed to a set of, of, of budget guidelines and they weren't going to go over, over a certain amount. I know it wouldn't play out lists, but, but where, where they're debating about it in the, in, in the cabinet room. But there is a process by which there are moments where singular budget issues do go to the president and cabinet members get together to discuss it. I'm thinking about like the appeal process, right? So let's say there's a program that, uh, that, that a federal agency really wants to include in the budget, or let's say they want to include it at a certain level of funding, let's say a homeless program. And let's say uh, OMB basically says, nope, didn't make it into the final budget. Well, there's a, there's a possibility that the Secretary of Housing, in this case, Housing and Urban Development, could appeal. And there have been moments in my OMB career where that appeal has gone all the way to the president. And that there's a meeting between the president, the OMB director, and the relevant cabinet uh, secretary to basically discuss whether OMB got it right and what are we going to do about this. So, so it, again, it wouldn't play out where you've got the, the Commerce Secretary sitting next to the HUD secretary and they're shaming each other in terms of what's more important. But I'm just raising that in a budget formulation context, the president could be sitting in a meeting like that. And, and basically trying to sort through appeals and figure out at the end of the day, what are the final, you know, I's to dot and T's to cross in the budget. And there could be some horse trading between a couple of different programs to get it in under some line of, or ceiling of funding that they were trying to go for. So again, I'm trying to say that it's not necessarily out of the realm of possibility that the president would be sitting there. Yeah discussing final final pieces no, that, of that that feels believable that feels like the one aspect but it just wouldn't in my experience it wouldn't be the president sitting with the cabinet it would be the omb director sitting with pads with the program so the resource management officer so the next rung down from the the omb directors those are the folks who kind of coordinate and represent the agencies on behalf of the agencies, because you're, you're not going to get the defense secretary and the secretary of state 
and you're not going to waste their time arguing over whether they should have this program in the Commerce Department or not. You're going to get the exact people you need to get into in the room and as efficiently as possible figure out how do you find $600 million, which in the $3.8 trillion greater scheme of things, it actually isn't a lot. Yeah. But again, similar discussions could take place, maybe not with that exact same set of people in the room. But when you're in a budget, and this is, let's kind of get ready for the break and transition. When you're in budget formulation mode, you can sit there and say, should we fund, should we spend five or 600 million on something in housing? Or should we spend 500 million on something in education or 500, 600 million in something in uh, commerce? You can have those types of discussion because as you're formulating the budget, you have the flexibility to decide where you're going to put your resources. But that flexibility ends once the budget is enacted and once Congress appropriates it months later. And so let's well, take, it, the, take a break. And when we come back, yeah. let's talk about right. this. I'm excited about that. I, I almost want to just forget the break. I'm not sure why we do that. We'll take a quick break. We'll take a really quick right. break. Fast break. Okay. Gov Actually is brought to you by the good folks at the FedScoop Radio Network. Be sure to check out what is happening on the forefront of government technology innovation at FedScoop, as well as the most important issues facing cybersecurity professionals at CyberScoop. GovActually is also supported by the Boston Consulting Group and the Center for Public Impact. All right, Danny, that was the shortest break ever in the history of, um, of uh, GovActually because uh, we really need to dive back into this and we've got to connect it to the emergency because, you know, it's an emergency. It, well, yeah. I mean, the one thing you did tell me during the break is that is that I'm maybe yelling too much and getting too passionate about this issue. Yeah, I, so, I think I think we're still sorting out the remote uh, aspect of um, making this happen of this podcast. I think yeah. we have a very well, tolerant group and a very interesting subject matter, so they're going to forgive you. Well, you said uh, uh, recently that my voice was coming across as tinny, and I was like, I think my voice is always tinny, even in real life. But that's a whole other. That's a whole other podcast, maybe. Um, so let's talk about appropriations. Um, so now let's pretend that what was going on was the budget had already been enacted, and now we need to figure out, you know, how to save, uh, 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 how to kind of find money for a program. And right. then we won't dive have- into why the program suddenly needs six hundred and fifty million dollars, other than you know, there's. There's no homeless program in this country that probably doesn't at any time need $650 million, but that's a, that's a different subject matter. So let's just, let's take on faith that there is this pressing need for $650 million. And the president then assembles the cabinet to start, you know, um, getting that money out of them. And so we've talked about the commerce department guy. What are the difficulties of what he just did with the Commerce Department person? Well, the issue is, is once it's enacted, you just can't move money across for cross purposes. It's not like the Commerce the, guy said, "You're right. I'm just going to stop because if you and take my money, if you take the money, back. spend the money, it's a violation." We talked about the Anti Deficiency Act, but there's this cool alternative to it that says, like, the Anti Deficiency Act says you can't spend money you don't have. The Anti-Impoundment Act says you have to spend money that you do have. And I would say the Anti-Deficiency Act says two things. It says you can't spend money you don't have, and you can't spend money that you have on a purpose other Mm. 
than the one that's been authorized by the right. law. So what they're asking so, the guy to yes. do is violate at least two laws. One, the, one is the other half, the Anti-Deficiency Act, and the other being a violation of the Anti-Empowerment Act. Yeah. So, so horse trading between programs that are already budgeted for and enacted is super difficult. Um, there are these legal constraints that are put in place and you would have to kind of overcome those legal constraints to do it, which brings us to, oh, I think, I think it's important oh. that we, we, we hit on that too. Like you have to remember that the appropriations, uh, to the agencies are actually a law. That's a federal law that says to the agency, you will spend money on this in this way during this time. So yeah. if you are not doing that, you're actually violating the appropriations law itself. That's the first law you're breaking. Right. So you, you, you can't, you, you essentially can't do it. Now, there are, we, there are some flexibilities. Some, some appropriations act are written really broadly. You know, we used to say, oh, you can drive a truck through this. You could spend this money on a computer. You could spend it on construction. You can, there's a lot of different things you can spend it on. But chances but are in the Commerce Department, you can't spend it on a homeless program. Right, right. But all within limits. So I'm thinking like, like education funding. Like we, we, the Education Department could, could issue a grant down to a state and local uh, school district um, and they could have tremendous flexibility on whether to use that money on uh, on on different educational activities, um, because the, the the Congress wrote the the bill and the language to have a lot of flexibility in how it's spent. But but very very uh, unlikely that you can move money between departments. Congress typically doesn't doesn't write it's, that. It's flexible. really hard to move it within the department, but let's say, it's, yeah. hey, let's say this homeless program happened to be in the next office over for some reason as the department of commerce, even then the commerce secretary would probably have to seek reprogramming authority from the appropriations committee in order to make the change. Yeah. I mean, there are certain funds and usually Congress anticipates this, that travel from one agency to, to another. You know, we, we sometimes refer to this in the account in the government accounting world as parent and child. Mm -hmm. There's a parent agency that gets the money initially from Congress, and then they pass it down to the child agency, which actually spends it. So, but but usually that's done in the context again of an umbrella structure that Congress anticipated the money moving from agency right. to agency. Or there's the Economy Act, where another agency can buy the services from an agency, but it still has to be consistent with the purpose and mission established in the appropriation. So the Commerce Department couldn't say, wow, I really want to help out President Dave. So I'm going to use this money to buy homeless services from the Department of, we'll say, Health and Human Services or HUD, because that's not consistent with the purpose and need of the appropriation that they received the money from. Well, just now let's, let's bring it home. What if President Dave wanted to take the money that was going to go towards the the Commerce Department study of the automotive industry and spend it on a wall along the U.S.-Mexican border. I don't, think, we, I don't do think we even have to go there. We could just say, let's say he wanted to spend it on this homeless thing, which he thinks is a, a very emergent problem because there's this eight-year-old. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just trying to, I'm trying to walk back 
You don't want to go. You don't want to go to the, I think, the wall. Funding I, think we can, I think we've now made people understand what we're talking about. <laughs> so, yeah. so yeah. So Dave could say, you know what? I don't have time to go to the hill and ask these guys who you know take every Friday off and maybe on recess um, uh, and maybe don't agree with me about the need, the pressing need to house this eight-year-old. Um, I am going to declare a homelessness emergency. Well, I mean, but even before you get there, he, in other words, he'd have to do that in order to move the money from the commerce automotive study without, without a, a law, right. he would need to declare the emergency through, through executive order in order to, to recapture the money and spend it on a different purpose, in this case, on a, on, on a homeless person. Assuming there was an underlying legal authority that allowed the president to declare that kind of emergency. Now, there are a number of very wide aperture, we'll call them, emergency authorities available to the executive. Um, I'm wondering if homelessness would fall within the aperture of, of one of them. The, yeah. the argument about the Southern border wall has to do around um, national security and homeland security, which is what a lot of those, those, those emergency authorities are around, their response to disasters, response to threat. They're, they're really homeland security type authorities. Well, so, so getting down to the core of the debate, I think many people feel that, that the fact that the executive branch doesn't have the flexibility to take congressional appropriations and just move them post law to wherever they want is a check and balance under the constitution. Um, that, that, that the executive branch is, is tied down to what Congress enacts in law and they have to execute it and they can't, can't rewrite that. And so that's a check and balance. And so, so the issue is if the emergency declaration allows you to deviate from that norm of, of congressional control and authority over spending, the bigger your, uh, your umbrella or the, the bigger the aperture is for, uh, for your definition of an emergency the more someone might say, well, this is a problem. It's kind of violating the underlying checks and balances. Yes. I think um, that's the more narrow, the more narrow you can shoot the emergency, you're ba- you're, you, you may be saying that you're you know, not allowing the executive branch to be as agile as it should be right. to do its job as an executive branch and protect the national interest from emerging threats. Given how long the appropriations process takes, how big the government is, and how many different ways it impacts people's lives, you know, the argument is, look, the executive needs some ability to respond to, you know, emergent situations, because that's what people expect. You know, they don't want you to say, oh, okay, that's important. Oh, there's this fire. All right, hold on. We need to go and reprogram money from this program to that program. We're going to need to sign off on Congress and may need to change the appropriations law. By the way, something we're not even able to do on a routine basis every year to just create the appropriation. But, you know, trust me. So I can understand why people are like, look, you know, there's got to be some flexibility for the executive. On the other side, the the argument is, wait a second, the the four five the the 
founding uh, people of our country saw this uh, as a very, very, very important separation that you needed to have a um, popularly elected Congress carefully weigh the alternatives and give the president then the the authority and the instructions of what they should do every year. And it's not up to the president to say, yeah, thanks for the advice, but I'm going to go off and do this because that, that makes the president a king. And that's what they were very much afraid of because that's what we were leaving behind. Yeah. And so the tension really boils down to, you know, what are the right parameters for an emergency declaration? What, what, when is the, when, when are you, Kind of in a safe spot to declare an emergency without um, without the, there being a consensus that that's a violation of checks and balances versus the the gray area and uh, and what happens when when the declarations start to to get into a gray area. Um, so the scene and, and- the scene that we're witnessing in the movie could have been preceded or immediately followed up by another scene in which President Dave goes out and declares a homeless emergency and says, and I'm going to take this money from the Commerce Department and that money from, uh, you know, these other guys. And, and then there's, there's some money he takes from the Defense Department that would never work. And yeah, I want to. Well, I mean, I'm, and I could see, I could, you know, I, you know, it's interesting. You could always see the arguments. Like we have an epidemic occur uh, we have an Ebola outbreak mm-hmm. that threats threatens, you know, to to penetrate into the United States. You know, um, is that is that an emergency? We have um, even if uh, even if there's not a, a case yet recorded in the U.S. You know, there was back in 2014 ish. Um, uh, but you know, because so you can play all these different scenarios. You can say when is it? When is the emergency real enough to call it an emergency? And, um, again, this is, this is why hopefully, you know, you learn from each experience and that if a president makes a call that seems to widen the aperture too much and, and have a too big a definition of an emergency, then maybe Congress goes back and clarifies in future legislation, you know, more clearly defines the parameters of what emergency is and what emergency isn't. Although there's risks in doing that because now you're potentially tying the president's hands on something that, um, that, uh, that we didn't anticipate. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, that's the, you're asking the Congress to have sufficient imagination to assume every conceivable, um, uh, uh, potential outcome. Well, that's what makes it an emergency, right? It's like, wow, we didn't see that coming or we didn't expect that. That's, that's generally part of the definition of an emergency. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think when you think about like what, I mean, there's a lot of times where there's, and I think we've, we've talked about this in previous episodes, like people have different philosophies about what, what the government's purpose is and should be and what role it should play in, in, in our lives. Um, and there's areas of great consensus, I would say, where people have, uh, you know, a, a real sense that this, yes, the government should do this. The government should be involved in, in law enforcement and protecting the homeland and, and for the purpose of national defense. Um, there tends to be a little bit more agreement on that versus should the, should the government be involved in, 
welfare programs, income maintenance and education. And there's less agreement on that. But yeah, in, in responding to an emergency. The government's involved in all those things. So there must be some agreement on it. But. Yeah, but people debate right. it. But I would say that, that the government's, you know, that, that the, in responding to an emergency, whether it's a hurricane or a disease epidemic, there is, I think, more, more consensus though. that the government that is, needs to be involved. That's a great other episode because, you know, the whole idea that there's this consensus that the federal government should be involved in these things is kind of new. It's actually, it's actually something that, that's, uh, that's evolved in, in kind of recent times. The whole notion, even FEMA is a very young agency, but, um, uh, we've kind of come to the end here, and I, I can't end this having been a former Treasury official without commenting on the fact that half of Dave's offset for this either budget exercise or reprogramming or or emergency came from something that's absolutely impossible. He turned to the Department of Defense and said, hey, I understand you're paying contractors um, progress payments on contracts that they haven't delivered on. How about we stop doing that, take the money, put it in a bank account and use the interest to pay for this. And, and it, it's such a fundamental misunderstanding of how the, um, the, the financial system works that I can't leave it unremarked that if anyone goes and watches that movie, they can just hit fast forward when they get to that part, because <laughs> you know that because that's really that's just, really out of out of whack. Well, yeah, it's like it's 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 so problematic. This idea that first of all that if there's a contractual obligation that that that's making you pay a contractor that you somehow you can suspend it. Well, that's you know uh, a violation of the law, right? It's a violation of contract law, and it's going to get the government sued, and it's probably going to be triple damages. So any money you saved, it just cost you a bunch more. And then this idea, you would put it in a bank and then you would get interest. Well, you're probably borrowing the money to begin with. So you're paying interest in order to collect interest. And then which bank are you pick, putting it in and what interest are they going <laughs> to yeah. pay you? So, um, you know, why, why not come up with the great idea like, hey, let's take that money and buy, you know, stock or lottery tickets, right? And then count that. I mean, it's just, you know... We can say, I hope we can agree that at least that part we can tell Bill Simmons and all these people have enough time to listen to a podcast about rewatching movies that um, that that's not good. That doesn't work. That doesn't happen. They have enough time because they're getting paid because people like me <laughs> demand <laughs> that they do it and 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 love to listen. I thought you were going to say, does he have time to listen to a podcast about how the government works? Well, I would uh, he probably doesn't because he's too busy watching, watching the same. Hunt, hunt for Red October so we can do a rewatchable right, on it. Right. Um, there you all go. right. Well, uh, this was a lot of fun. Uh, uh, epically historic. Epically Again, his the, first, the first people ever to tie the movie Dave to – uh, the emergency declaration on the wall. I'm really proud. And I'm of this, expecting uh, us this. to be on the Sunday morning talk shows this coming week to uh, discuss it further because uh, I, I think I think people are going to really wake up to the connection we've made here. It's going to go viral. I can feel it. <laughs> All right, Dan. All right, Danny. Until next time, episode thirty-one. Thirty-one. All right, it will be looking into forward our to thirties at that point. All right. Okay. Bye bye.
Thanks for listening to Gov Actually. We'd love to hear from you. You can tweet at us at GovActuallyPod, or you can write to Danny at Danny at GovActually.com, or to me at Dan at GovActually.com. And if you haven't already, subscribe to GovActually Podcast on iTunes and write a review. That's how we get pushed up further and more people can hear about us. Thanks again.